Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Zone Blitz. As always, I'm Vince Miller, joined by my co-host Ashton Overholt. Ashton, how are you doing today? Good. Um, as a Georgia fan, we just kind of got to sit there um, in a really tumultuous week for a lot of people. We just kind of hung out um, and beat up on a kind of a bad UAB team. But I'll be honest, man, this was a really good Saturday of football. Um, like just the, a lot of competitive games throughout with the like the, the ranked matchups delivered. Like those, those were some, there were some interesting storylines pretty much in every game. So um, yeah, I was glued, uh, glued in on Saturday. I know a lot of, a lot of people were, so yeah, ready to get into it. Yeah. I'm still a little bit in epileptic shock, so you may have to carry this podcast a little bit, but yeah, we'll kind of run through it. So starting at the top, kind of the first big matchup, Florida state beats Clemson 31, 24 in overtime. I thought Clemson looked pretty good. Like their receivers made some plays. Klubnik made a few throws, but they sort of crapped the bed down the stretch. And yeah, <laughs> what, what what did you think about that game? No, the same. I, I think, okay, Clemson outplayed Florida State through most of that game, probably three yeah. quarters of that game. Clemson was the better team there. Um, yeah, had, had a big lead early and – like they were driving with a seven point lead. It was 24 17, and Clemson's driving in Florida State territory. And then that sack fumble happens mm. as a scoop and score ties it up at 24. And, and I mean, Clemson obviously never scores again, but that like Clemson was the better team there. Like, I like you, I kind of kept coming back to that is that I mean, we thought the line was maybe a little bit low. Um, although I think Florida State was favored by two, um, yeah, anywhere between one and three points, depending where you looked leading up to that game. And it felt low, right? Like that felt like what well, Florida State's a better, better team than Clemson with what we've seen. Like the line was right. Like the line was absolutely appropriate. Clemson was, they were toe to toe with Florida State and they outplayed him for a large chunks of that game. The receivers, I think like to your point, we saw um Tyler Brown they I know they brought mm-hmm. him up a lot he he was productive like they had an, and it wasn't just him either um there was like, like, yeah um Stilato had a couple of nice catches mm-hmm. like I think they were on like third downs um that meant a lot Shipley is obviously just a beast um yeah both catching and and running um he was a stud I I thought yeah I don't know like is is it possible Clemson's two and two right now but is it possible for me to think like that's a darn good two and two football team. <laughs> no, I agree completely. I, it doesn't feel like a two and two football team. It doesn't, they they feel like they should still be one of those 15 teams that feels like they have a good shot to make the playoff. Now Clemson's not going to make the playoff. You you can't lose those big games, right? Two yeah. of them and still go. Right. Um, but I, I mean, there's not a game left in their schedule that they can't win. Um, and they, they haven't played a game this year. They couldn't win. So I didn't like down at the end of the game. And, and you know, the storyline is they bring in this walk on kicker who I guess was their backup the last several years. And, and it basically right. retired because he knew he wasn't going to be the guy this year. And the guy they had in wasn't cutting it. So they call this guy who's only taking online classes at this point. They bring him in for the week. He hits a 30 yard field goal in the first half. It's a great story. And then they're driving at the end of the game in Florida state territory. They have a third and 11 
and they call QB draw. Yeah. With with the obvious intent of setting up the field goal, not turning the ball over. And I, I Caden Klubnik had played a pretty good game. Their receivers had played a pretty good game. They had zero turnovers right. at that point. Right. I would have loved to see them try something. Try to try to pick up that first down. Um yeah, and he misses the 30-yard field goal and they go to overtime and lose. Is that the way you would have played it? Like like were they just trying to get as good of a field goal for him as possible or or do you have to do you have to try to I mean it's third and 11, it's not easy, but you have to try to make that happen, I think. Yeah, they had been they had been converting third downs throughout the game, which is kind of where yeah. like I kind of yeah, that that's where it was a little bit surprising. Like Klubnik through the air was converting third downs. Um, now they didn't have a great percentage. I think they were, yeah, six of 14, but like they were better. They had a better percentage um, than Florida state did. Like they were better on third downs than Florida state was for sure. And, and kind of speaking to the dominance of Clemson in this game and it, dominance is maybe not the right word, but they had far more total yards. Um, I mean, they, they Florida state was held to 22 rushing yards. Like that's not enough. 22 rushing yards on 20 attempts. Now that factors in sacks, but I mean, Clemson had 146 on the ground it's seldom that you have that much of a disparity in rushing and lose the football game. And obviously, you know, turnover, like the turnover was the, I mean, that one fumble was massive and it kind of offset everything else, but you're right. Like Clemson, Clemson had more first downs. They were better on third downs, had more rushing yards and had about the same amount of passing yards. Like Clemson was the better football team there. And it would have been nice to trust Klubnik. I I think the coaching staff is still, still doesn't quite, totally trust Klubnik all the right. time. Like I, I think they kind of bailed on him a little bit there. And yeah. It's I, a lot of perimeter passing, that type right. of thing. Right. And and then overtime. Was it an overtime? I think yeah, they, they had the ball after Florida mm-hmm. State had scored a touchdown. Yeah. And they have third and one. And they call an RPO, but it was clearly like hand the ball off and get the yard. And he chose to swing it out to a wide receiver who just got blown up for a loss. And then they couldn't convert on fourth down, and that's how you lose. So bad decision making. But he was he was making some throws throughout the game, and I, I agree with you. It, it looks like they don't quite totally trust him. So, and then one more point, kind of on the on the Clemson play calling thing. Um, so Florida State gets the ball first in overtime, obviously score a touchdown. Um, I mean, a great throw to to Coleman there in the corner. Um, Clemson gets the ball. Uh, Klubnik throws an incomplete pass on second and 10 Shipley runs for 10 or nine yards, almost 10. So he mm-hmm. almost got the first down just short second. And I mean, it's, so it's puts you third and like a short one. And then they go pass, pass like yeah. Clemson goes pass on third and one pass on fourth and one. They don't pick it up for, for Shipley not to get the ball. Like that's your best player. And for him not to be getting the ball, he's a matchup nightmare. Like get him in space. You know, I'm not saying you have to run it with him. Like you can still throw the ball to him. But you definitely could run it with him. Like he, it was working. I guess was my point. And uh, yeah, third and one, fourth and one. Um, you got to have it. And yeah, get your best player of the ball and kind of get out of the way. That I thought you possibly overthought. Maybe you overthink that one just a little bit. Um, yeah, I. For sure. The coach, the play calling. They were they were definitely sketchy in spots. Like Clemson was the better football team. Clemson's players were better than Florida State's players. Like you're not going to be able to convince me otherwise. But yeah, there was some definitely some questionable play calling. Um, yeah, I don't know. The only other thing I could think of maybe is the fumble, um, the the sack on Klubnik and the fumble. It it was just really poor blitz pickup. 
by the running back. Like you have to have that. And then Klubnik also has to know, like you have to at least look like you can't, like he got, he, he never even saw the guy. And then, yeah, that was just a, a devastating play. So like Florida state's good. Florida state deserves to be where they're at. However, I'm like Jordan Travis wasn't it, man. Like I yeah. I know he had, he, he had, he's going to finish with a good stat line and he had the great play in overtime to, to win the, win the, the ball game for him. But like Clemson's defensive line had him seeing like he was seeing ghosts out there for large portions of that game is what it looked like. Yeah, I think he was hurt a little bit, but I don't know. It does kind of feel like Florida State. Now, obviously, they had a very impressive win in week one against LSU. Right. They sort of feel like they might be the team that just gets crushed in the playoff this year. Or maybe they don't make it. Maybe yeah. Clemson finds a way to crawl back into the ACC championship game. I mean, it's it's a long shot at this point, but it could happen. Right. I think I'd probably take Clemson in that situation. I, I don't know. It's going to be hard for you to rush for as few yards as they did and beat anyone good. Like, you can't be rushing for yeah. 22 yards. And I know that's, like, sack-adjusted and everything, but, like, it, that, the point stands for itself. Like, you can't. You can't rush for 1.1 yards a carry <laughs> and yeah. and and have any success against decent teams, especially in the playoffs. Like you can maybe get through, yeah, some some mediocre teams. You can you possibly can win the ACC doing that, but you're not going to have a chance against yeah the Ohio State's, Michigan's, Georgia's of the world. Like that's that's a different ball game for Florida State. Yep. Okay. Um, I'm just going to read off a bunch of scores of games that we're not going to talk about here, but games that mattered. Friday, Wisconsin beat Purdue 38 to 17. NC State beat Virginia 24 to 21. Boise State beat San Diego State 34 31. Air Force beat San Jose State 45 to 20. Air Force pretty good, by the way. Getting into Saturday, Oklahoma beat Cincinnati 20 to 6. Marshall beat Virginia Tech at Virginia Tech 24 to 17. Oof. Oof. Texas AM sat on Auburn 27 to 10. Yep. TCU beat SMU. 34-17. Michigan beat Rutgers 31-7. Kansas beat BYU 38-27. We'll have more later, but now we'll get into some games that we actually want to talk about. Number 11, Utah beats number 22, UCLA 14-7. Uh, this game was at Rice-Eccles, um, Utah's stadium there. Dante Moore, who we both love, UCLA's quarterback, true freshman, first throw of the game, uh, pick six. Yep. And then there were two touchdowns total scored the rest of the way. What do you think? So this was a game um, that I gave out on one of my locks of the week. Um, and I thought the over was going to hit. I was certain that Cam Rising was going to play in this game. I, like, why would he be cleared for practice for the last two weeks and not go, you right. know, against a ranked opponent? Like, why Like, why would you not be starting him at UCLA? Well, they didn't. And it actually didn't matter. Um, they had a pick six on the first, very first play of the game. And from then on, Utah was average. They were average as grits. They really weren't great. Yeah. I mean, UCLA outgained them, but not by much. I mean, it was just a rock fight pretty much. Like, it wasn't pretty. Nothing was nice about it. Um, UCLA was 3 of um, 17, 3 of 17 on third downs, and 1 of 4 on third on fourth downs. Like, yeah, it's it's not enough. That's, that's, that's not good enough. So, I was – I don't know what to think of these teams. I really don't. I, I think Utah, th this was discouraging for both of these teams. I know Utah won this game, but I feel less good about Utah going and winning the Pac-12 now. I mean, I obviously don't feel as good about UCLA's future. 
Um, the the Pac-12 is good, like legitimately really, really good. We've seen some teams out there, um, Oregon, Washington, um, USC, even from time to time, that just come out and just lay the wood to people week in, week out. Like they just hammer people. So Utah not being able to, to score points and UCLA not being able to score points is not going to bode well for them in conference play. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more just about the larger outlook on that. Utah, they're 4-0, and they have, like, some solid wins under their belt, including Florida, obviously. And yet it sort of feels like they're clearly a Tier 2 Pac-12 program, which, you know, is dangerous to say, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I was impressed by both defenses, but neither offense really all that impressive in this game. Okay, another big matchup in the afternoon window that was very hyped, and I think both of us kind of thought it might be a little overhyped, but Oregon beat Colorado 42 to six, 35 to zero at halftime, never in doubt. Uh, At one point uh, for most of the game, Colorado had 10 times as much yardage as uh, Oregon had 10 times as much yardage as Colorado. Um, Is this just as simple as like, obviously Colorado is better than they were last year, but like, it's still, you're, you're comparing a, a nice story, a nice little upstart team who has a chance to make a bowl game with Oregon, who is a legitimate top 10 powerhouse at this point. Oh, I mean, I think water will find its level at some point. You know what? I think this is one of those games. This did not um, change my view of Colorado that much. Like, like Colorado played out. I mean, they played way in front of their skis for the first three weeks. They go three and oh, majorly punching above their weight. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, like they they snuck past a Colorado State team last week. I mean, and, and good for them, but they should have lost that game. Like they should. Colorado was lucky to be three and zero, and and that's fine. Like like no one's no one's disparaging Colorado. They Colorado was awful last year. Like Colorado yeah. was really 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 bad. The worst team in, in the Power Five. And yeah, like th- this is <laughs> this is going to be part of the journey. Like this is part of the come up. You don't get just to be fantastic year one. Like mm-hmm. it's going to, yeah, it's going to take some time. There's too many programs like Oregon um, that have recruited well for a long time. They have a veteran quarterback. Like we saw what true, a uh, true Heisman contender at quarterback looks like the Shador Sanders stuff was, was overblown. It, he's a good quarterback. Sanders is, but he's not Bo yeah. Nix. And we saw that in this game, Bo Nix and Penix out there in Washington are legit studs at, at quarterback. And there's like, there's a difference. Um, I think or. Oregon was just significantly better on both offensive and defensive lines. That's it the was, key, yeah. It was blatantly obvious for all of us to see. Um, yeah, I think – I mean, there was pretty much just it, – it'll be interesting to see how Colorado handles it. Like, their their offensive line is not going to get that much better this year. Like, there's right. not – there's only so much you can do there. Um, and, yeah, I think it's kind of getting exposed. They can't really run the ball anymore, and, and they definitely can't pass protect. So, it's – Colorado is not the 19th best team in the country. They were, they were ranked number 19. They were not the 19th best. Um, and yeah, and, and that's okay. Like that is, mm-hmm. that is okay. And I know there's a ton of casuals out there that are, they're just kind of getting into college football and, and Colorado is who they're rooting for. And, and that good, that's fine. Good for you. But do understand that there's a lot of people out here that have been doing this for a really, really long time and are really, really good at it. Um, and a program like Oregon is one of them. Like there's levels to this and you can get there. Colorado can get there, but you have to build. 
and you don't get to just come in and walk all over Oregon. I guess is that, yeah. Is that fair? Is, is that maybe, is that unfair of me to say? No, that's totally fair. And I think one of the, one of the things that you talk about the casuals out there, like most of them are NFL fans. Right. And the best, the, the team with the best offensive and defensive lines in the NFL matched up with the team that with the worst line play in the NFL there's not that big of a gap compared right. to what you see in college routinely when teams right. like Oregon play teams like Colorado. And so I think for some of those casuals, they see, oh, Colorado, they've got a really good quarterback. They've got some good receivers. Yeah. You know, that uh, that's not where the game starts. And yeah, we've all seen guys like Peyton Manning and Aaron Rodgers like do really good things behind poor by NFL standards, offensive lines. This is totally different. Like, there's too much of a gap there. It's just not going to happen. Right. So, yeah, there's just a fundamental difference between the NFL and college, and then the range of athlete you see from one team to to team number seventy. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, like recruiting rankings mattered here a lot, and then Oregon also called off. They kind of called it off a little bit. Definitely. I know Dan Lanning was he, at halftime. He was fairly. Like, or yeah, like as he was interviewed, as they were going into the half, he was, he had a little bit of things to say, right? Like he was, Mm -hmm. he was a little kind of cocky and, and like, we're going to come out and do the same thing in the second half. That was rhetoric only because I mean, they pulled Bo Nix, I mean, shortly into the third quarter. Um, They only scored seven more points overall. I mean, yeah, Oregon could have, they could have doubled their score. I mean, they could have put up 35 in the second half too, if they wanted. So they, yeah, Colorado couldn't stop the run. They couldn't really stop the pass. Um, yeah, it, I thought it was, I honestly thought the game ended fairly well. Like I, for all the people that were saying, you know, there might be fights or yeah, what, whatever will happen. I think everyone in ended with respect for each other. Like I, sure. uh, hopefully, hopefully they did. Um, it definitely seemed that way. So yeah, at the end of the day, Colorado was just, they, they're not on the same level as Oregon right now. Um, and they've got some work to do. They need to do some recruiting. Um, yeah, maybe recruit some high school players too. So like they've got some work to do, um, but they're, they're on their way. It doesn't get a whole lot easier for them. Like color. This is a bad year to be just breaking into the PAC 12. Like <laughs> there's so many years where the PAC 12 would be a lot easier. This is just not one of those years. So <laughs> no. yeah. Um, on the Oregon standpoint though, like Oregon looks like a playoff team. Like they're good. Oregon, Oregon's Oregon's darn good right now. So the, the, the quarterback has seen it all. I mean, Bo Nix is he's experienced. He processes super well, makes good decisions. Um, they've got a good batch of receivers, especially that Franklin kid at, at yes. wideout. He's he's elite. Um, yeah, and and Bonix also dual threat too. Like they he they can they do some neat things with how they use that. So really impressed with Oregon. This was the first time I really watched a complete Oregon game all year. But yeah, I I just had to say wow, like that's that's what really good looks like. Absolutely. Okay, yet another huge. Middle afternoon matchup. Alabama beats Ole Miss 24 to 10. Honestly, like kind of they just sat on him. Like the yeah. defense played really well. And Jalen Milrow is still not all that good. Threw a terrible interception in the end zone. Yes, he did. But he's the best option they have. And he's good enough that they can beat solid teams like Ole Miss. <laughs> it it was a little boring like this game yeah i try i tried to be into this game i really did but there was too much other stuff happening like this was a loaded saturday and and 
Yeah, there, there was just too much other stuff happening. I, I will say this was disappointing from Ole Miss. Like yeah. Ole Miss had multiple chances to really take this game to Alabama and and kind of run with it. They did. Ole Miss led throughout the first half. They led at halftime. It was only seven to six, but you led. Like Ole Miss had a lot of opportunities and they never they never ran with it. And I I'm not sure what like the the play calling from Kiffin was a head scratcher. Like this is this is Kiffin needed this. Kiffin was chirping on Twitter the last two weeks, right? Getting prepared for this. This is what he lives for. He wants to beat Alabama. He wants to beat Saban. Like he doesn't make it. He doesn't hide that. He's pretty open with it. You can't score 10 points. Like Ole Miss defense played pretty well. They really did. They weren't bad. It was the Ole Miss offense that was not good. They just really weren't good against Alabama. And yeah, I don't. It was really disappointing. Like that's Kiffin's calling card. We needed more from Jackson Dart. We needed more from Quinchon Judkins. Um, we, yeah, we needed a, a just a lot more from them. And I, I don't know. I just kind of came out feeling blah about Ole Miss. Like that was that was tough. That was that was a tough game to watch. That's a little bit how I felt about them all year. Like Jackson really? Dart looks like he's better, but the running game is just complete one eighty from last year. Last year right. they. They can't run the ball. Maybe they the run best the running game in the SEC last year, and not even like yeah. Ole, Ole Miss is not. Ole Miss isn't going to win games when they rush for fifty-six yards like no. they did in this game. You're you're not going to win those football games. So Ole no. Miss needs they need Judkins to be really really good like he was last year, and then they need Jackson Dart's not going to be able to do it by himself. Like right. Dart's, a, I think Dart's a really good quarterback, and I've been actually pretty, fairly impressed with Dart so far. But it needs to be balanced, and we need more balance. We need maybe a little bit more tempo. Yeah, I don't know. I was kind of just unimpressed kind of across the board from Ole Miss, especially at the last when Ole Miss was down two scores with the ball, and they had it for – they chewed up most of the fourth quarter on the one drive that they did not score on. And it was like, guys, like, we have to go here. Like, urgency. Like, let's go yeah. no huddle. You guys – I mean, Lane Kiffin, he knows how to do this. This isn't new for him. Yeah, throw a little bit of tempo in there. Do something. Um, and they didn't, they just kind of went out with a whimper. It was, it was disappointing. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Maryland beats Michigan state 31 to nine West Virginia beat Texas tech 20 to 13. How about Neil Brown there doing good things? Iowa state beats Oklahoma state 34 to 27 in one of the sad bowls of the week. Georgia tech beat wake forest 30 to 16. Good win there. Arizona beat Stanford 21 to 20. LSU squeaks by Arkansas, 34-31. Penn State beat Iowa, 31-0. We got to talk about this one just a little bit. This was an absolute spanking. Um, Do we, I mean, okay, I'm not really sure where to start, so, like, I'll just, I'll just start here. Do you know how many total yards Iowa finished the game with? Was it, like? 76 it was, yeah it was under 100 i know that yeah 76 yards yep they had four first downs Oof. all game they were one of nine on third downs um and they only had the ball on offense for 33 plays <laughs> 33 and plays penn state had 97 penn state had not that's like what is that yeah really close to triple like almost triple uh, it could have been worse. Like, I don't have much else to say for you, but 31 nothing as the final score, it could have been much worse. Yep. Um, you, you, The first down, yeah, Penn State had 28 first downs. Iowa had four. I, like, what, what do you, what else do you want from us here? Um, 
Can we talk? We have to talk about Iowa, right? Like, I don't know if you could take a whole lot from Penn State here. I don't know if I did. But the, the like the time of possession here um, was 45 minutes for Penn State and 14 and a half for Iowa. 14 and a half. Like, I mean, Ference has to lose his job, right? Like, maybe both of them, right? This is this is really, really bad. Yeah, I mean, this this is kind of the first point in the season, I think, where the the ride to 325 almost <laughs> looks impossible. Like, uh, yeah. I've been down on their chances to do it, average 25 points a game for the season. Right. Now it kind of just about feels impossible. Like, and so if you're an Iowa fan, I think you're glad. Like, you need to get rid of Brian Ferentz. And if it ticks Kirk off and he decides to retire, so be it. But uh, you you can't play football like this. You just can't do it. You yeah, you can. You you won't win. Yeah, you'll right. get you'll get you'll get blown out. No, I agree. I zero points. Um, and honestly, like th- they weren't even close to scoring. Like like they were so far away from being competitive in this game. Penn State just sat on them. It was impressive from Penn State's defense. That defense is legitimately really, really good. But I'm not putting just a ton of stock into this from a Penn State standpoint. Like, I think Penn State's good separately. Um, yeah. But I'm not – just because they beat up on Iowa doesn't make Penn State good. Um, right. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's They are good, though. The, Penn State's really good. Like, I'm yeah. not taking anything away from them at all. But, like, yeah, like Iowa that, – that was just a – that was a train wreck. That was a train wreck. I watched way too much of the game – um it was it was yeah i it's the worst display of offense that i've seen i mean i haven't seen a worse one um i've never seen a game be more one-sided so yeah i he's the the, he has to get to 325 is that right and i think that includes the bowl game too is that right like he has to average the 25 points throughout the year and into the bowl game if I mean, he's hopelessly behind right now because he's only covered the one time. He he had 41 last week, um, and and that was the first game this year that he had gotten over 25. Yeah, and the zero obviously not helping. Like that's a lot of points you have to score some other time. And dude, in the Big Ten, like with Iowa's offense, I don't know. I don't know, man. Not sure. Right. Okay. Uh, Northwestern beat Minnesota 37-34. Three touchdown deficit at one point and came back. Very dis- very disappointing if you're Minnesota. South Carolina beat Mississippi State 37-30. to Texas beat Baylor 38-6. to North Carolina messed around for a little while and finally took care of Pitt 41-24. Kansas State beat UCF 44-31. Washington beat Cal 59-32 in a game that was not that close. USC beat Arizona State 42 to 28 in a game that was absolutely that close. And that brings us to one last game. Ashton, Ohio State goes to Notre Dame and they win 17 to 14. I'm going to let you talk, but first of all, as a Notre Dame fan, I just got to talk this one out a little bit myself. So obviously, you remember last year, Ohio State played Notre Dame. Yeah. Last season, they had Tyler Buckner. And honestly, some terrible receivers. They had that was the two biggest weaknesses on the team. Yeah. Their quarterback and their receivers. So against Ohio State, they ran the ball uh 56% of the time. This year they bring in Sam Hartman out of the portal. They move Chris Tyree to receiver. They 
bring in some really good freshman receivers. They are one of the more explosive teams in the country through the air, through four games. They are airing it out. So naturally, against Ohio State, who has some weaknesses in the secondary, they keep airing it out, right? They trust Sam Hartman? No. They increase their rushing rate against Ohio State to 61% this year with Sam Hartman on their team. But at least they used a lot of play action, right? No. They used play action on 11% of their dropbacks in this game. But they have been incredible at the end of each half so far. They have three, like, two-minute drives to end or to end three first half so far. So when they get the ball with 30 seconds left against Ohio State, and it's been a bit of a struggle, they have two timeouts left, they are aggressive and try to score, right? No, no, they kneel on the ball and go to halftime. You can see where I'm going with all this stuff. But anyway, well, we got so much more, Ashton. We got so much more. Um, they finally are able to, using the running game, which they decided they're going to do, it finally works out. They score a couple touchdowns in the second half. Um, and and even going back to the first half and wherever, there was at different points, there were two, four, there was, uh, they, they faced fourth and one several times. Um, Notre Dame had the nation's leading rusher coming into this game, Audric Estime. You may have seen him. 235 pounds is what he's listed at. He looks like a Greek god. The man is built like an absolute Abrams tank. Did they give him the ball on either one of those fourth and ones? No, no, they did not do that. Both times they tried to run the ball with Sam Hartman, who is about six feet tall and probably weighs 180. I don't know. Um, but all of that, they get the ball, their defense makes some stops. They get the ball one final drive. They, they just need a couple first downs. They need several first downs. They, they get one. Audric Estime gets another run, hit his first carry of the drive, 11 yards, first down. So they just keep feeding Audric Estime, right? No, no, they take him out of the game right after he just ripped off an 11-yard run against a gassed Ohio State defense. They then try some kind of slow-developing, weird, stupid running play, and it gets blown up in the backfield for a five-yard loss. So then they try a screen pass because they're in second and 15 um, but at least they do it to ohio state's weak uh defensive end who's not known for always um intercepting screen passes it do, right no 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 they, they do it right to jt2 Imolowal, who is their best defensive player and he reads it out and knocks the ball down almost intercepts it which maybe he should have if you're a notre dame fan that would have been nice um as things turned out but anyway so ohio state gets to save one timeout, which is definitely crucial as we are going to see. We get into one final drive for Ohio State where they have to march down the field. Notre Dame is playing great defense. Uh, Ohio State, though, keeps making big plays. Kyle McCord grows up, like, makes some big-time throws. They have a fourth and seven where they get a seven-and-a-half-yard gain. Just a great throw into a tight window, and they, they squeak it out. Uh, third and 10, um, they find a way. They convert it. They they then they get into the red zone, and Notre Dame tightens up a little bit. They get pressure on McCord, and he is called for intentional grounding. 
Ohio State still has that one timeout, so they avoid the 10-second runoff. We're down at like 15 seconds at this point, so this would be huge. Um, so they they use that last timeout. They avoid the 10-second runoff, and now they face third and 19. Now, all game, Kyle McCord, when given time to throw, has set his feet and just ripped it. When, when he was given time to throw all game, he made Notre Dame pay. Anytime he got a little bit of pressure, it messed with him. He couldn't make throws. And the only way Notre Dame could get pressure this entire game was by rushing five guys. Usually they had to blitz a linebacker, and they could get some pressure, and it would just force them into some bad throws. So third and 19, you keep doing that, right? You rush five guys? No, 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 no. You rush three and you drop eight. And you don't even make it look like you're going to blitz, like showing linebackers up the line of scrimmage. You show him before the snap, you got three down linemen, and everyone else is very clearly back in like a prevent defense. So what does he do? He rips the throw, 21-yard gain. Great throw, like not taking anything away from that kid. Beautiful play. You get down to the one-yard line. Ohio State spikes it. Notre Dame takes their last timeout. So at least Notre Dame comes out of that timeout with their best defense, their best goal line defense, right? No, no, no. They're in nickel. They're in nickel. Um, even though Ohio State is in 12 personnel with only two receivers on the field, Notre Dame decides to play nickel. But at least they have all 11 players on the field, right, Ashton? No, 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 no. They came out of that timeout with 10 players trying to play nickel, but at least it was one of their DBs they were missing, right? No, no, it was one of their defensive linemen on the one-yard line. Miraculously, Ohio State throws an incomplete pass, so clearly they didn't notice that there was a big gaping hole in the left side of the line. But then Ohio State subs in a running back. So Notre Dame is saved. When the other team subs, you're allowed to sub too. You can get that 11th player onto the field and the refs will keep them from snapping the ball until he gets in there. So that's what they do, right? No, 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 no. Nobody freaking realized that they had 10 players on the field. Marcus Freeman didn't know. Al Golden didn't know. Al Washington, their defensive line coach, didn't realize he sent three defensive linemen onto the field coming out of a timeout. None of their veterans that were playing no noticed. Nobody in the booth noticed who is, there's absolutely somebody up there who's responsible for this. Nobody noticed. So Ohio State happens to run. I still don't think Ohio State had any, any idea, but they call a running play. It happens to go right where there's a missing defender and they score the game-winning touchdown by six inches. So props to Ohio State for scoring. I think... You could put 86-year-old Lou Holtz at defensive end there, and it probably stops them. They made it by six inches without a player right there, without a defensive player right there. And by the way, uh, there is a point to all of this, and it's not to say that Ohio State didn't deserve to win this game or that they were clearly the worst team or anything like that. I'm not taking any credit away from Ohio State. They absolutely deserve to win this game because Notre Dame – clearly did not deserve to win this game. Everything I just pointed out was coaching. None of it was even players because players messed up. Players on both sides messed up, but we watch college football and we're used to that. It's college football. They mess up. The players mess up. When your coaching staff has that many mistakes 
in a game. It's not because they're necessarily terrible coaches. It's because they absolutely crapped the bed. The moment was too big for them, and they choked when it mattered most. Al Golden called an excellent game for 59 minutes. And then, and this is a guy who was coaching the Super Bowl two years ago, by the way, and has been a head coach for years and a defensive coordinator for years. This guy is way too experienced. But in the last minute, when it really mattered, the guy just puked himself all over national TV. And he wasn't the only one. Every coach in that program right now needs to look deeply inward and just ask themselves what the frick happened. As a Notre Dame fan, I've seen us lose many games tight against big programs. The difference is when we played Georgia in 2017 and 2019, when we played uh, Oklahoma, uh, there's there's too many to even count. But every time we lose one of these close games against a really good program, it's always, wow, like Notre Dame, they, they're better than we thought they were. That's a overachievers. Like, man. Props to them for really bringing it. Notre Dame played their B game in this game. Notre Dame did not maximize their their talent. Neither did Ohio State. Like, neither team played to the best of their abilities. This is maybe the first time I've been able to point strictly at, like, so many coaching decisions in-game as why Notre Dame lost. And it's just pathetic and heartbreaking and people 18 years later are still talking about the bush push and 18 years from now you'll be able to talk about 10 men on the field and every notre dame fan will know exactly what you're talking about and will remember exactly where they were and it just sucks so i got more to talk i got more to say but ashton they're tired of hearing me ramble what what were your thoughts in this game I enjoyed it. It was obviously a, um, yeah, very close game, very entertaining game. The, I think that both offenses were not very good. Um, and, and I think both things are true. Like the defenses did play well for both teams, but the offenses overall were not special. Um, we didn't see Marvin Harrison pop off like what, you know, like kind of what we're, you know, used to seeing him do. Um, it would have been nice if Notre Dame would have let Sam Hartman cook. You know, like if we could just let that guy go into the kitchen for a while and and just sling it for a bit. Um, I was I was OK. W- w- why not run tempo? Can anyone explain to me from either side in the first half, like from either side, because there was only a field goal scored in the first half and Ohio State made theirs. Notre Dame missed theirs, but it could have been it was three nothing at halftime. Like nothing's really working for you. Why not change it up a little bit and do something like we've tried now we're going to try something else. I think that was kind of my thought in the first half. And Notre Dame, to their credit, in the second half, Notre Dame didn't they didn't shy away with running the ball. Like they felt like they had an, an advantage um, running the ball, and and they did. Like they were successful. Yeah, and and I understand. I guess Notre Dame standpoint, you don't want to get in a track meet with Ohio State. I guess I I kind of get that. I, there was. No- Notre Dame had a lot of chances to win this game. Um, the, the potential interception on Ohio State's last drive that just went directly through his hands. Um, and it's not like he was jumping terribly high to get it. It, it just barely went over his helmet. Um, hit him in both hands and went directly through it. And it should have been a pick. The The play calling at 
on defense for Notre Dame at the end of the game was atrocious. I agree with you there. The the one I noticed even more than the 10 men, because I did not realize that in, in real time. I just noticed that there was a gaping hole on the left yeah. side of Ohio State's offensive line. That's all I noticed there. The more atrocious one for me was the dropping eight. Dropping yeah. eight on, on third and 18, or was it third and 19, whatever it was, um, from like the 21, 22-yard line. Like there, there was only three guys within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage. Like, ha, like you're, you're not disguising any. Exactly. I was like, is there a possibility someone's going to sneak up and maybe make him think about it? No, it was like, clearly everyone's bailing. We're rushing three. That made no sense to me. You can drop eight, but you can drop eight with six up at the line of scrimmage. Confuse the quarterback. Correct. You can still drop eight. In fact, that's sometimes even better because he didn't know who's coming. Like you're, he knows someone's coming. He just doesn't know what three or four it's going to be, you know? So I guess my, my point was you can still drop that. I, I would prefer to blitz six and, and then just go tackle the hot route. Blitz six and tackle the hot route. You're, like that's you're, you're going to, that is a more high percentage play for you than, than just dropping everyone. I, I didn't understand that. I, it's not really defensible. I don't think. Um, and then the, you're right. The 10 men on the field for the last two plays. Uh, I know Freeman has tried to kind of like defend it saying that, you know, we didn't want to get a penalty or whatever. I, like you wouldn't have, like there was a substitution. Like you came out of a timeout with it. Like you they, came out of a timeout. Think, I don't think they realized until they were almost ready to snap the ball the second time. Like, yeah. I, I think that's when they finally realized and, well, if you run a guy out there, then then you give Ohio State two chances because it doesn't automatically stop the play if you have an 11th guy running out on the field. Right. So I guess I get that. But if it happens just in a normal situation where you're subbing and it's chaotic, like that's bad enough. Right. Coming out of a timeout, I, it boggles it, the mind. For me, I think I noticed a lot of Notre Dame was – they weren't ready for the big moment. Like right. when it at the end of the game, it was it was obviously very emotional. A lot of stuff happening. It was very intense, and you clearly let a lot of things slip through. There, there's no way that if you go back and replay this game and, and you're walking through it with Freeman and you come to that third and nineteen, he's like, "Yeah, like we're not going to have anybody at the line of scrimmage. We're dropping everyone into coverage so everyone knows what we're doing." I mean, they're clearly going to play zone, right? Like they're clearly dropping into a, a deep shell, and at like. That's that he wouldn't do that again. So it was clearly a a a number of mistakes made by Notre Dame coaching um at the end of that football game. Like that's that's all there is to it. Um I think it's it's hard to be prepared for those big moments. Like I think it's I think some teams make it look easy, but I think as in in Lane Kiffin would probably tell you the same thing when he played Alabama th- like this week. When the lights are on and when you put everything into that one game, sometimes like the moment does become too big for you. Sometimes it does. Um, and I think there, there's some teams that have made it look easy. Like I think you think of um, like maybe some of the, the the Clemson teams from a couple of years ago in 16 and 18, where they go and they match up with Alabama or yeah, was it LSU? I guess they lost to LSU, but like Ohio State, they they go match up against those teams and and they they like they play at their very, very best in those big games. And I think that's hard to do. Like I think that's really difficult to do. And I think it's part of the growing process. For Notre Dame, I think you learn from this. Ohio State had to they they endured some some questionable play calling at the end of of the Georgia um, playoff game. You know, right? You get to have these experiences. You get to go through it. It's painful for you, but you do get to grow. You do have an yeah. opportunity to grow. 
Notre Dame is like, I was actually really impressed with Notre Dame. Like Notre Dame could be a playoff team if they get their stuff together. Um, they could easily win out. I think that's doable for, for the Irish. So um, See, Ohio I, state. Sorry. I just have to say like breaking in there on that. Like I, I guess like, thank you, but I'm so tired of hearing that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, fair enough. Like last year, Notre Dame could have beaten Ohio state if they played an absolutely perfect game right. and won the turnover battle and all of that. They, they didn't play all that well. Like they played the corners played well and the offensive yep. line played well. They did. Yep. And that's about it. Like, okay. The, the, they stopped the run pretty well other than missing one tackle and giving up a 61 yard run. Other yeah. than that one big play, they stopped the run completely. The, they shut down Marvin Harrison. Like, yeah, like well, that's cor- what I'm the saying. Corners, the, corners the corners played, corners played well. The, yeah. Certain players played well. Overall, that was their B game. Like, yeah. It's not like right. they played A plus and yet again, little Notre Dame comes so close to beating one of the big boys. They had everything in front of them to be one of the big boys. And they just didn't. Some of it is execution by the players. Yeah. Some of it is the coaching staff just absolutely crapping their pants. People, people would tell um, people would tell me for years, right? Because under under Kirby, it seemed that Georgia was always really close, and we weren't. We were always we were always close. We were never quite there, but we we're always so close. And at the end of the day, you like you do get a lot of comp. Like you guys are almost there. Like someday you'll break through. Some someday something will happen. And and you realize after a couple of years of it happening, like like it's really not. Like this might just be us. Like we might just be the one that doesn't actually get there. Because I mean, realistically, there's going to be teams that are going to get really really close and not get there. And it's going to be most. Most teams are not going to get there. You just have to kind of go take it. And you don't want, you have to go take it from everyone else, and you don't want any moral victories. Like I right. totally get Notre, yeah, the Notre Dame fans not wanting any moral victories today. Like we played close, and you know if we didn't drop the pick, if we didn't you know drop eight um, on third and nineteen, if we had eleven players, maybe we win that game. And I mean, fair enough, I guess. But you didn't. You lost. Exactly. And and like it's devastating. And sometimes you just as a fan, you almost just want like, no, we like that sucked. We we sucked in the last two minutes. Like we should have finished stronger because you had done all the hard work. Like you yeah. had done all the difficult things. And something that gets overlooked a lot is Notre Dame had the ball with four minutes left, and you had a potential potentially go on a four-minute drive, four-minute offense, and kill the clock out and just yeah, comp- and, and game over. That's it. Yeah, and you had two first downs, and and then the, yeah, th- that's when the play calling started to get funky, and like that's when it's like like what are like why are we why are we now not running up the middle like we've worked all right. game to, to get they were things. being we, super conservative all game right and we've the, taken and we've taken I didn't body like blows, that, but the upside of that was then you wore their defense out, so now now you mm-hmm. can pound it, and then yeah. okay now we're gonna get aggressive. Yeah, I, I I didn't understand that either. What's the point of all the body blows, you know, in quarters one through three, if you don't try to, you know, make those pay off and, you know, late in the fourth quarter with four minutes left, like when you need it, like when you want to run the ball for six yards per play and just grind this out. Um, yeah, no, completely agree. Um, Audric Estime got 14 carries in a game that 61% of their plays were runs. It wasn't enough. Was not enough. Yeah, they played five running backs. I think in a game like this, you'd pick your best three, and your best one should get the bulk. Yeah, <laughs> he he could he should have gotten like sixty percent of the carries. Um, yeah, and yeah, in my eyes.
Right. Um, and and I just want to say this, like for all the Ohio State fans that are listening to this and are just enraged at all the excuses, I'm not taking a thing away from Ohio State. Ohio State did not crap the bed, like in the big moment. They were prepared in the big moment. They took advantage. They they converted some huge third and fourth downs on that last drive. I, Kyle McCord, yeah, you can you can give him time to throw, but he still has to make the throw, and he did. They took advantage. That's what you need to do. My whole point is, from the Notre Dame perspective, they had this game in hand and decided just to give it away. Like, that's what happened. And, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> Any more thoughts before we move on? <laughs> no, no, not really. I mean, we, we can talk about this game for a long time, and there's there's a ton of, like, it was just on a razor's edge there at the end and could have gone either way, and it felt like it should have went Notre Dame's way, and it didn't. Um, and you could talk about that for a really long time. But, um, yeah, I think smart just to move on. Kyle McCord, I don't know. I Maybe. Maybe that's kind of what I have to say about him. Maybe he's fine. I, 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 he's fine. I think again, like Penn state's going to heat him up, right? Michigan is going to blitz the heck out of that guy and we'll see what he's made of then. Like, yeah, like I think that's Notre Dame could have done more to neutralize that offense. And honestly, they they only gave up 17 points and you know, one was on the last, I mean, seven of them were in the last play of the game. Right. So like the defense played well, I guess. But yeah, from the Ohio State standpoint, like we'll see. This was not their tough, their toughest test. They have two games that are even bigger for them yet, with Penn State, who looked really good, and Michigan still coming up. So it's it's a good start. Um, there's still a lot left for Ohio State. Oftentimes, in after games like this, when two top ten teams play and it's really close, there's a tendency for the losing side to say afterwards. Well, you know, that's a really good team. Like that's probably a national title contender. Yeah. And I think our team, like if we're just a little bit better, like we could be there too. And I don't feel that way. I feel like both of these teams are not close to their ceiling right now, the way they played Saturday. I think both of them could be national title contenders if they figure it out. Neither one of them has figured it out yet. Penn State or Michigan, they're going to beat Ohio State unless Ohio State gets better. And they can get better. Notre Dame, same way. They need to get better to beat USC and Clemson. They just need to. And, and I'm not going to try to say, well, you know, these are actually two of the top four teams in the country. They could be. They're not right now. Um, yeah. That I don't know that I have a whole lot more to say. Should we just but, go on to next week? Yeah. Let's move on to next week. Um, yeah, we'll just kind of preview the games that are coming up. And then after that, we will share the games that we want to watch the most. So it starts Friday night. Louisville plays NC State. Louisville favored by three and a half. Sneaky big matchup in the ACC. Utah is at Oregon State Friday night. Big Pac-12 matchup. Oregon State actually favored by two and a half, which I thought was interesting. Um, coming off a loss to Wazoo last week. Cincinnati is at BYU. BYU favored by three. We get into Saturday. We have a rivalry to start things off. Florida is at Kentucky. Kentucky favored by two and a half. Texas. Um, do you want to talk about that one before we move on? Should we back back up to Utah and Oregon State? Sorry, I, I was just kind of rolling through these. Or or would, should I just keep going and then we talk about which whichever ones we're going to talk about later? I think just just go on through them and and we can just yeah select a few that we're interested in. 
Okay, I'm just I'm just gonna read off all of the major major games, then we'll kind of backtrack it. Uh, yeah, I mentioned A and M against Arkansas in Arlington. A and M favored by six and a half. USC goes to Colorado. USC favored by twenty one and a half. Clemson goes to Syracuse. Clemson favored by six and a half. Baylor goes to UCF. UCF favored by eleven and a half. Kansas is at Texas. Texas favored by seventeen. Houston at Texas Tech. Texas Tech favored by nine and a half. Indiana at Maryland. Maryland a fourteen and a half point favorite. Illinois at Purdue. Purdue favored by one and a half. Georgia at Auburn. Georgia favorite uh, favorite there fifteen and a half points. Michigan at Nebraska. Uh, Michigan favored by seventeen and a half. LSU at Ole Miss, ranked on ranked matchup here in the SEC West. LSU favored by two and a half. Oregon at Stanford, kind of an interesting rivalry, although very lopsided right now. Oregon favored by 26 and a half. Iowa State at Oklahoma, Oklahoma favored by 19 and a half. Michigan State at Iowa, <clears throat> that, that could be ugly. Iowa favored by 11 and a half. South Carolina at Tennessee, Tennessee an 11 and a half point favorite. Notre Dame goes to Duke. Notre Dame favored by five and a half. West Virginia at TCU. TCU favored by 11 and a half. Alabama at Mississippi State. Bama favored by 15 and a half. And then Washington at Arizona. Washington favored by 17 and a half. What grabs your attention, Ashton? Which games do you want to talk about? So Utah, Oregon State. Um, Utah yes. did not look good. That's the Friday night game, right? Um, mm-hmm. Oregon State drops a couple of spots with the loss to Wazoo. It's a difficult game. Uh, it's one that we didn't even really really talk about. I honestly did not even get to watch it because it was in such a, a unique time spot where there were so many other. Yeah, well, there were so many good games like like just sandwiched in there with it that like it was yeah stands to reason that like we just kind of skim over it. But Oregon State's a good football team. It, I I want to see if Cam Rising's playing. I also want to see how DJU um, rebounds. You know, back from from a from a tough loss. It's it's in Oregon, right? Like home game for for the Beavers. I like I think Oregon State wins outright. Like I I think they just go. I know they're favored actually, even though like they've yeah coming off a loss and Utah is undefeated. I think Oregon State. I think Oregon State will win that game. So I'm not. It's not going to be in one of my locks. But I just have a, a just, yeah just a sneaky suspicion about a bounce back week for the Beavers. Yeah, they 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 came back late against Wazoo, but I was a little disappointed by their defense. They, I was on my second screen all evening. So I, I didn't get to watch it like extensively, but kept peeking over and throughout the first half, every time I peek at the screen, Washington state was scoring another touchdown. So right. uh, yeah, good matchup there. Definitely an opportunity for both teams to make a statement. Um, Florida at Kentucky. Were you interested in Kentucky being favored by two and a half? Like, is that just because they're home and like, they've, Kind of, I mean, they're undefeated, but four and Yeah, no, it, it is, and they've kind of taken care of business. Obviously, they're one of only three SEC teams that are still undefeated after four weeks. Wow. Florida had the Florida had the tough loss on the road, right, um, to Utah. So, I mean, they're an undefeated SEC team. Like, yeah, like that's okay. Florida's good. Kentucky's also good. This game is actually this game matters more than what you think it does. Like, if Kentucky mm-hmm. wins this ball game. Um, well, actually, let me not even say that the winner of this ballgame will really put themselves into a good situation going into a potential Georgia matchup. They both still have to play Georgia yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this, the battle for second place in the East is wide open after Georgia. 
this game matters more than you think it does. This is one of the, where you get to the end, um, at the end of the season. I think both of these teams will be ranked, um, at the, at the end of the season. Um, yeah, this is, if Florida can, if Florida can bounce all the way back from that early season loss and, and beat Kentucky and Tennessee, like what they already did, that's a huge coup for, for Napier. That that's a lot of positive momentum for them. Um, yeah, that, that's going to be one of my games to watch. I think it's really interesting. The line you mentioned Kentucky by two and a half. I think that's about right. Like, I think, I think Kentucky needs to be favored in this game uh, at home for them. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really, I think it's going to be really fascinating to watch. Texas A&M and Arkansas. This is a fun matchup. Um, for some reason they always play in Arlington, which is a little weird, but I think it was last year where Arkansas was kind of in control until they had a fumble at the goal line and A&M returns it for a touchdown. And, and that, you know, A&M couldn't score offensively last year, so they had to do it defensively and they, and they win that game. Right. Any reason to think Arkansas can get some revenge this year? I think so. I, I mean, KJ's pretty good. Arkansas could have easily won that game against LSU this past weekend. Um, KJ Jefferson, the slander that that guy gets, everyone's just dumping all over SEC quarterbacks, bad SEC quarterbacks. And you're right. Like, I'll agree with you for the most part, but leave KJ Jefferson off of that conversation because that guy yeah. is legitimately really, really good. Um, he would start for most teams in America today. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that um, – I think he's I think he's a matchup nightmare. Like I, he's a problem, a really big dual threat that's really accurate with the ball. So no, I've been impressed with him. Um, A and M kind of just took care of business quietly over mm-hmm. Auburn this past weekend. Um, Wigman was hurt. Max Johnson came in. You remember Mac, Max Johnson? Right. Um, the LSU transfer comes in, throws a touchdown, throws a touchdown to his younger brother, um, who's also on A and M. Yeah, great for them, I guess. No, I, it's an entertaining matchup. It's not going to be one of my five to watch, but it is. Um, it's a fun game, though. Nonetheless, it, it's always entertaining. Right. When A and M plays Alabama, we're taking the under, right? <laughs> no, I'm not sure. I'm not. Okay. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see what that one is. It might be like 38. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Kansas at Texas. This one's kind of fun. Texas took care of them solidly last year after several years of kansas really i don't know like beating texas a few times and always being right. a pain in their side has texas turned over new leaf kansas is undefeated coming into this matchup yeah has texas figured out their kansas problem good and like for all not willing to go there yet not <laughs> willing to go there yet i think Same. kansas this is a 17 point line 17 point line Kansas is a problem. Like I think this this is a this is where a regular Texas team would fall. They would lose to Kansas at home. They, they just would. Kansas is a good football team. There is, I mean, we're not saying that Kansas is is just yeah they're going to sneak up and, and not be a good team. Kansas is ranked. Kansas is four zero. This is a game that Texas in a normal year would lose. Let's yeah. see if let's see if they if they come out and handle business against the Jayhawks you're the the dynamic in Austin starts to change like they're not Texasing anymore <laughs> like they're actually beating the teams they're not playing down to competition like Texas is a better football team than Kansas that does not matter it doesn't seem in previous years let's see let's just wait and see this is not a game I would come close to touching no like the no, line correct. like correct nothing would shock me here um do you want to talk about Georgia at Auburn bit of a rivalry there for you 
I think it's interesting that line is really low. Georgia only favored by 14 and a half and mm-hmm. Auburn literally can't throw the football. Auburn cannot throw the football right now. Mm-hmm. Peyton Thorne has not been him for, for Auburn. No. I might go to this game. This might be one of those games where I like wake up like that, that Saturday morning and if tickets keep dropping, like the kind of are like, I might go like that's a possibility. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm leaving on the table. That one could be sneaky close. Like, Auburn at home, man, like there's something that goes on at Jordan Hare. There really is. They they have something, a whole other thing going on there that like this could be a this could be a close game. But like Georgia could also blow them out. Like right. I just it's something it's worth going to, not betting it, staying away from it at 14 and a half. I don't know what's gonna happen, but that could Auburn's not been very good. So yeah, of course there's a possibility that they come out and upset Georgia. That's just kind of how things go um, in the SEC, I guess. So yeah, worth watching. That's worth your watch. Speaking of the SEC, if you want to get a little tighter matchup, you got LSU at Ole Miss. LSU two and a half point favorite on the road here. What do you think? This one is this one is my top in in my top five. I think this one's fascinating. Um, LSU since that Florida State loss has played really good. Jaden Daniels has turned it on. They have had elite wide receiver play um, from the Tigers. So mm-hmm. LSU is finding something. It was dis- They had a disappointing week one, right? They have since found something there. They need to prove it. They need to prove it this week. They need to beat Ole Miss um, and set up that, that grudge match against Alabama and Tuscaloosa. That's LSU really needs this one. Um, again, not betting it at all. I do not like, you know, a, a good home dog is a home underdog, you know, that's always, it seems like it's almost always the right side to be on. And in that case, it'd be old miss here, but yeah, I'm just kind of staying away from it because I do think LSU is a better football team, but it is on the road for them. So just kind of, those kind of cancel out. Last year, South Carolina pretty much ended Tennessee's season. Um, They all of a sudden couldn't be stopped offensively. Now Tennessee's favored by 11 and a half. It's at Tennessee this year. I, I still can't figure Tennessee out, by the way. But, like, what what do you expect out of this game? Um, yeah, no, no clue. Not sure yet. <laughs> we have two really talented quarterbacks in Spencer Rattler, who's played really well, and Joe Milton, who had a really nice bounce-back game after the, the bad um, appearance against Florida. Super talented quarterbacks. Like, which one of them are functional? Like, we need you to continue to be functional in in SEC play. So, it's a night game. It's in Knoxville. That place is going to be going bananas. Like, that's going to be an elite atmosphere to be at. So, yeah. Yeah, I it's it's going to be fun. It's definitely going to be fun. Um, South Carolina continues to kind of surprise since that they, again, got beat early against uh, North Carolina, neutral site, right? South Carolina has rebounded. And played well since then. They have played well. Um, played Georgia close, and then and then blitzed um, Mississippi State over the weekend. So South Carolina also is playing pretty good football right now. Right. Okay. College game day is actually going to Duke this Saturday. Notre Dame is going to Duke. Uh, Notre Dame favored by five and a half. A lot to learn in this game about both teams. Duke undefeated. Obviously, we know about the big win against Clemson in Week One. Notre Dame coming off just a heartbreaking loss to Ohio State. And we're going to learn how legit Duke is, and we're also going to learn how Notre Dame can bounce back from that just emotional game. 
Um, last year, Ohio State beat Notre Dame twice, essentially. They did not respond well the next week. Um, if they don't bring it this week, they're going to lose to Duke. Duke is pretty good, I think. Mike Elko is a really good head coach. Riley Leonard is a good quarterback. Um, what, what do you think, Ashton? I feel better about this one for Notre Dame considering that they lost. Like, mm-hmm. I think if Notre Dame beats Ohio state, if that guy actually holds on to the interception in the last two minutes against Ohio state, Notre Dame probably goes and loses to Duke on the road. Like, like that's kind of, but, but they did lose. So they're, yeah. Like you, in some sense, they grounded, I guess. Um, it's not as big of a letdown spot. I do think they'll still struggle. I don't think Notre Dame will play as well. Um, you know, can unless they had like if they had played a cupcake instead of instead of Ohio State, I think yeah, you you're liking their chances a little bit better. So, yeah, no, I I think that's fair. I think the line is about right, five and a half points. I I'd be kind of scared to be betting Notre Dame in this one, to be honest with you. Stay away, absolutely for me. Um, Notre Dame is a little stretch here. They got Duke this Saturday evening. The following Saturday evening, they play Louisville, who has looked good this year. And the Saturday after that, which I'm sure will also be an evening game, they play USC. So, yeah, kind of a rough four-week stretch here, and we'll see how they respond to adversity. Um, Any thoughts on Bama, Mississippi State? I mean, no. they're just going to sit no. on them, right? <laughs> yep, correct. Okay, Ashton, what are your top five games to watch this week? Okay, so number one is Utah, Oregon State. I think that one's really interesting. Number two is going to be Florida, Kentucky. I, that might sound crazy. I think that's a fascinating game. Number three is going to be LSU Ole Miss. Number four is going to be Notre Dame Duke. Again, bounce back game for Notre Dame. Can they make that one work? Number five is going to be Texas Kansas. Um, I think that one could be sneaky close. I It just kind of depends on, on how it starts for Texas. If this is a close game at halftime, I think it's going to be a close game late in the fourth quarter. So as long as Kansas stays in this one, I think that one could be close. So yeah, those are my five. Um, there's it's not the quality that we had last week, but maybe a little bit more depth. Um, you know, like down down roster a little bit. Some of the games, you know, there's last week was maybe just a little bit top heavy. We had a great um like like top of the lineup, but once you kind of got into the middle of of last week, it wasn't maybe as good. This week is still sneaky loaded. I think it's going to be fun. I think a few of the mid tier games last week that we thought were going to be really good didn't quite live up to expectation, which was fine. It was still like an incredible week of college football this week. Yeah. It has potential to be, to be really special. I have the exact same five games as you, like those five pretty clearly stood out to me as the top five games to watch the week. Um, Yeah. I I don't even know that it was all that close. There was a few others that were in somewhat contention, but those, those five are clearly kind of stood above the rest. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about our locks of the week. Okay. Ashton, you only had two last week, one and one. You Your win was Maryland minus seven against Michigan State. Easy yep. cover there. And then your loss was the Utah-UCLA over 51. Didn't come close. And Not even close. Cam Rising didn't play. So, But you are nine and two on the year. So yep. sterling record this season. My record is not nearly as good, but I did have a good week. Three and two. My wins are Ohio minus 12 against Bowling Green. They easily covered that. Maryland minus seven against Michigan State, easily covered that. And North Carolina minus seven and a half against Pitt, easily covered that. My losses, Oklahoma 
minus 14 and a half, which was key against Cincinnati. They win by 14. That's tough. And Oregon State, I took on the road as two and a half point favorites against Washington State and was just on the wrong side there. Washington State was better. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm 12 and 14 on the season. All right, let's go into this week. What do you have on your board? Okay, so I have not a lot, and we're just going to have to kind of discuss this and, and yeah, roll through it. What do you think about Michigan? Michigan hasn't covered a spread all year. Michigan and Georgia, neither one have covered spreads. Michigan has not covered one. They are on the road and Lincoln favored by 18. Hmm. You're thinking about taking Michigan in this game? Correct. I I mean, I don't hate it. It might help you that that it's a road game. (laughs) Yeah. I, I... I'm not touching it personally, but I don't hate it for you. I got a 17 okay. and a half for you if you want it. Okay. Okay. Fine. Fair enough. Um, let me what okay, Oregon State minus three. I can actually get that at two and a half as well. Oregon State at two and a half. Yeah, that's against Utah, correct? Correct. Correct. Um, yeah, I, I don't hate that either. Um, I was interested. There was a few of those games that were like super low spreads that were tasty to me um, right i don't think i'm going to join you on that one but are you taking that one for sure yes i'm taking that one yeah lock it up all right oregon state yes two and a half is the number are you any others on your board no you go we'll, we'll talk we'll talk talk it through okay so last week you saved me from taking usc and their five touchdown spread um so i appreciate that i'm just going to run all these by you and you tell me what you think I was looking at Florida plus three against Kentucky. <laughs> I, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate it. Your, your favorite. I mean, yeah, you're, you're a dog on the road, but, but Florida is probably a more talented football team than Kentucky. Like, like you can keep coming back to that. And Florida does seem like they found a little bit of momentum. I, I don't hate it. Yeah. Keep going. Would you have been shocked if Florida had been favored by three in this game? I felt like Florida should have been favored by three. I felt like the wrong team was favored here. Yeah. Yeah. Penn State minus 25 and a half against Northwestern. Northwestern come, came off a win against Minnesota. I, I don't know that it matters. <laughs> no, I, I agree. I actually have. I'll, I'll, I'll do agreement with you there. I'll, I'll lock that one okay. up too. All yeah, right. that, that one popped off the board to me as well. Um, no, Northwestern's not good. It's okay to fade people. Like that, that is fine. Penn State's really good. Like I think, yeah, we saw Penn State be really good. Um. I have I have no problem with that. There's not much of a home field advantage um, in Evanston, Illinois. Right. There's not going to be many Northwestern fans there. Probably more Penn State fans than Northwestern fans. I have a feeling this line would be several points higher if Northwestern had not come back from right. a three-touchdown deficit against Minnesota. So, right. What do you think about Clemson minus six and a half against Syracuse? No. No. Mm-mm. Okay. I'm going to take it. Mm-hmm. I think Clemson is clearly better than Syracuse. I know Syracuse is 4-0. Clemson's a touchdown better. So give me yeah. that. I love the number right under the touchdown. Six and a half is great. Okay. Talk me out of Georgia favored by 14 and a half. Okay, so this one jumped off to me as well. That That's too low. And, and sometimes lines are too low intentionally. And if you see a line that is so low, you almost want to be on that side of it. Um, so – I, I'm I'm kind of with you. Like I agree. I see the same thing. Georgia should be favored here by more. 
but it almost makes me think that we need like Auburn's the side here. Auburn mm. is probably the side to be betting. I'm not sure. That one has me spooked. So I'm just and plus it's Georgia. I'm emotionally connected. So yeah, I just kind of stay away from betting my own team. Um, but no, like I'm at the same place you were. Like the line's too low, clearly. But what does that mean? Like we don't actually know what that means. I I'm torn on it. Earlier today there was a 14 out there, which yeah, I think I would have snapped snatched that, that up. But yeah. That hook, man, that'll get you. It got me last week. I'll take it off the board. We're trying to win here. I just I'm not gonna be surprised if Georgia wins that game by three or four touchdowns. And then one final one. I just can't shake this feeling that Ole Miss is not that good, and LSU is only favored by two and a half against them. Is LSU an appreciably different team than Alabama, like quality wise? No, no. I like. <laughs> I don't. I don't hate that. I. I don't hate that pick. You're. You're right that LSU. LSU could easily win by seventeen. Like I think LSU by seventeen is the most logical outcome, and also like the. But dude, like home game, like going on the road is so difficult. Like it's so hard yeah. to like to be a home dog. Like that's so difficult to do. So yeah, I I'm staying away. But I mean, I I'm seeing what you're seeing too. I kind of feel like this line would be bigger if LSU had not kind of escaped in a big rivalry game against Arkansas, who always plays them tight for some reason. Right. So maybe right. they're being slightly undervalued. I bet. Any thought on Missouri? favored by 13 and a half on the road at Vandy. Vandy has not been mm. good after starting out two and O they have really, really struggled. Um, they're yeah. Two and three. Now Missouri's good. Missouri's won four straight undefeated. There's not going to be many Vandy fans might be more Missouri fans than Vandy fans. Anything there. Maybe. I don't hate that. I wouldn't join you on it. That's probably the right side, but you also have to consider that this might be one of Vanderbilt's last chances to get a win this year. <laughs> Yeah, fair enough. We'll stay away from it. I'm done. All right. Okay, I think that's all we got. Any final words before we wrap this up? Just looking forward to Saturday. It's going to be another fantastic one. Um, Yeah, let's go. We only get 12 of these, remember? Yep, let's have a great day. Uh, A great week. Have a great week, everybody, and God bless you all. 